This is Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. The topic I have for you today is about pride. Let's say that somebody comes to you and they say that you are a proud person. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to thank them very much for bringing that analysis to you, but then don't let them off the hook. Because when they say that you are proud, well, they have told you directionally which way you are going, but they have not told you specifically. And as Paul told us in Ephesians 4, that we are to put off the old person. But if you don't know exactly what to put off, well, that's going to be a problem. And thus the the label pride, it's like saying that you have sinned, or it's like saying that you are a selfish person. All three of those words are saying basically the same thing. The Bible gives us more specifics. It, it helps us in a sophisticated way. That's true. Now, I understand that uh, if you're young in the Lord and you're just starting out on your Bible journey, uh, you would not know these things. I, I remember, I mean, years ago when God saved me, I mean, all I could say is that, you know, I'm just being proud or I'm sinning or I'm a selfish person. I totally understand if I saw someone else and I wanted to bring corrective care into their lives, I would probably say one of those three things. Again, all three of those words, whether it's uh, selfishness or sin or pride, you're saying the same thing. You're doing something wrong and you need to change. But our soul care can be more nuanced. It can be more sophisticated. And that's what I want to talk about uh, in this uh, subject that I'm bringing to you. And so I have an article on our website. The title of it is, Why It Is So Hard to Repent of Sinful Pride. Let's talk about it. Pride is a, a catch-all word. Again, you could say that, that pride is sin and and sin is pride. Now, pride is a helpful word. It is. It's a good word in that it accurately describes our fallenness. I mean, if someone said that you were sick, I mean, that is good to know because it gets you thinking and moving in a, a certain direction. I mean, it doesn't move you in a specific direction, but generally speaking, the word pride is a good word. It's a word that we know. It's a word that we understand. For example, if I were to say that that I am proud, then you would immediately know that, that there's something wrong with me that is unacceptable and, and I need help. And so pride is like a a warning alarm that calls the gospel-centered person to, to action. The term does get you thinking, and it does get you moving in the right direction. But here's the problem. As I have been saying, pride, it fails in its analysis because it misses my fallenness specifics, and that's what I need if you're going to apply gospel solutions to the heart of a proud person, then you have to do more than this catch-all phrase. And so, again, that's what I want to talk about here. And I would appeal to you, as you have time, to, to read the article. It will be very helpful now, if you just type the word pride into the search box on our website. This will, will come up. And uh, there's also other embedded links here I think would serve you well. Uh, now, before I get into what I want to talk about, I, I just— 
want to take a slight digression and talk about good pride because you've heard that uh, people use the word proud in a good sense, and you, you know what they mean. I mean, they say, I am so proud of you. There's nothing negative there that they mean at all. And so the question is, can pride be a good thing? Now, people will argue that it is, but it's really not necessary to argue. It's not something that I would argue with it about. Now, personally, I don't use the word pride, but I do understand what someone means, and they're saying that that someone or something has pleased them. I'm so pleased with you, or I'm so pleased with some outcome that is in my life. I'm so proud of you. Those are interchangeable words in their view, and, and I'm fine with that. They will say, maybe I find encouragement uh, in you. Thank you, for your encouragement, and I'm just so proud of you by the grades that you have received. I am encouraged by the grades that that you made, and a parent may say that for a child, or when the child wins an award, I'm so uh, proud. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. I'm encouraged by you. And again, I don't use the word pride because I'm not particularly eager to mix historical bad words with good ones. It's like what John Piper did a few years ago when he talked about Christian hedonism. I thought it was weird back then, and I still do. I, I wasn't buying what he was selling, though I knew, I knew what he was selling. I did get his point, but my point is why even try to make that point? Why do we have to overreach or hyperbolize something in such a way that, that people have to like reposition their brains in order to get onto your awkward or cutesy wavelength. And so I'm just not into that. Even though I hope that you're proud of this podcast, <laughs> I hope you're proud of this video I'm building, and I hope you're proud of my article and if you do like it then be so proud of it that you would that you would share it with uh, your friends and and let them know that they need to read watch or listen to this and and they could do do that but i do think there's one thing that we all do agree on and that is the overwhelming intent of the word pride in the bible and also in life i think most people get that it is a terrible it is a terrible thing. And so as we move away from my digression of talking about good pride, pride is not a heart characteristic any of us want, unless you're proud. I mean, a proud person, I suppose, could stumble onto uh, this podcast or watch this video. Maybe they're on our website and they type in pride and, and read this article and, and not think that it is a heinous thing. But most of us agree that Pride is a heinous sin, which brings us to the question, and the question that I want to I want to tease out a little bit, why is it so hard to repent of pride? Well, part of the problem is that the word pride does not get into the specifics of my sin. I mean, since all sin is a form of pride, it's hard to repent of it. Going back to Paul's template in Ephesians 4.22 to put off the old man, well, you're proud. You need to put off pride. I, I need for you to help me. Take a test, for example. 
name any sin that you can think of. Just pull a sin out of your hat and ask yourself, is it a form of pride? Well, it is. Pride means, for example, to be lifted up, to be self-centered, self-worship, to esteem yourself more than others, etc. Well, sin means the same thing. It, it means to be lifted up. It means to be self-centered, self-worship. Sin is esteeming yourself more than others. There's a thousand ways to describe pride, and all of them mean sin or alternately pride. I mean, and you could add the word selfish. You're being selfish. Now, again, it's not a bad word. It helps you directionally. It moves you in a direction. And so let's say that the form of pride that I struggle with is self-righteousness or, or maybe anger or, or arrogance or laziness. All of these are manifestations of pride. And so a helpful way to think about pride is by using the analogy of weeds that are growing out of a flower pot. Now, in this illustration, pride is the fertile soil of the heart from which the specific weeds of sin grow. And so you could say that pride is like a container of dirt, while the particular sins are various weeds that grow out of the soil. And so it's more helpful for someone to tell me the form of pride that they observe in my life than to say, quite simply, you are a proud man. I mean, I know that I'm proud. But, but the best help that you can provide me is, again, to tease out the specific kind of pride that you see. That would really be helpful. When my friends point out my sin's specifics, then I have a better chance of going to God to receive his forgiveness and cleansing for my sinfulness or for my form of pride, if you will. It is hard to put off what you are unclear about. And so being nonspecific about my sin is like telling me to go west, but not giving me a specific destination. Go west, young man. I don't know if you've looked at a map recently, but if you look at the map, I'm on the east coast of the United States. And as I look at the map and they want me to go west, well, I mean, up in the northwest, there is Seattle, and then you can drop down, and you could. there is Sacramento, and then a little bit over on the coast, there is San Francisco, and then if you go a little further south, there is San Diego, and then you could go a little further south, and a little bit inward, there is Scottsdale, and so there is a swath there. And so I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I'm, I have the goal in mind. I'm heading out toward the Pacific Ocean, but I need the specifics. The gospel is ready and willing and able to cleanse me from all of my pride-generated sin. If you were to tell me that you struggled with pride, I, I would not be surprised because you are just as much a fallen person like me living in a fallen world. And so a broad characterization like that, it may reduce my counsels to suggest that you need to pray or you need to read your Bible. Now, that is good advice, but you would go into prayer time and go into your Bible with a very 
general notion because you're, you're not looking for anything specific because if you talk about pride and sin, well, the Bible is extremely broad. Now, praying and the Bible reading is a helpful, those are helpful disciplines and they can make some redemptive progress in your life. So I'm not throwing prayer and the Bible out with the bathwater, but they are generally not enough for the granular level of sin that you need to understand. And so don't do that to people. Saying a person's problem is pride, really what you're doing, you're just affirming what the Bible teaches, but it lacks the Bible's sophistication. Now, maybe, and again, as I said earlier, if you were like me, I mean, when I first became a believer, I knew the Bible was very helpful, but I did not understand. I mean, it is an amazing book. I've written an article here about the Bible being the world's number one psychology book for understanding the soul, which is what the word psychology means, the study of the soul. And so God created the soul. He gave us the word concerning the soul, which is the definition of the word psychology. And so it is a sophisticated book, and that's why we want to mature in it so that our recommendations for people is not simplistic answers like, you are selfish, you are a sinner, or you are proud. It's not unusual to hear the counselors or small group leaders or the pastors that we train to say that they need to repent of pride, or they're talking to someone that they're working with who needs to repent of pride. Abuse counselors do this often. They will say that the heart of abuse is is pride. Okay, I mean, that's true. Their assessment is accurate, but I appeal to them to show more detail in their observation by asking God to reveal what manifestation of pride they are observing in those that they are serving. If you're dealing with an abusive person and you want to help him or her understand why they are abusing someone, then saying that they are proud is a good start. But you had, have not even gotten out of the, the runner's block at that point. I mean, you haven't really started. You just made a generalization about what is going on. But not just beyond the specifics. There needs to be a nuanced sophistication that gets into the heart motivations, the shaping influences, the theological problems that an angry, in this case, an abusive person has. And what I mean by that is the heart motivations. The heart is an idol factory where there are conflicting idolatries that are at war within, uh, w- with themselves, as James said in James 4, talking about the heart of an angry person. And so you want to know, well, okay, that's prime, but what are those conflicting heart idolatries? What is this coll- collision of the soul that is going on where these idols are competing? eating at this level of their souls. You want to understand that. But in addition, you want to understand the shaping influences that have come into their lives. For example, well, Adamic shaping influences, we're born totally depraved, and so we come into this world broken, and so there is the shaping influences of Adam. There are also shaping influences from our culture, from our parents, from everything that we have interacted 
connected with in our lives is a shaping influence for good or evil. Of course, the choices that we have made are also shaping influences as well. And so this proud person, me, has these conflicting heart idolatries. These heart idolatries have been amplified and animated by the shaping influences in my life, whether it's the decisions that I made, my unique Adamic fallenness, or the things that have happened to me. And then all of that gives me a view of who I believe God is. And so now I have a theological problem that I have to work through. And the big question that has to be asked is that if a person is angry or abusive, all right, so let's examine those heart motivations and those shaping influences and then ask the ultimate question, what is your problem with God? How did you get here? And so now you're getting to a level of sophistication where they can see pride, not in some big general sense, but they can tease out the specifics by understanding their own soul analysis. And that's that once you get to that level of helping that kind of person, assuming that they won't help, of course, uh, then they're able to put off some very specific things, and that is exactly what you want. But if we just tell them that you just you're a proud person, well, in some ways it's not it's not really helpful because it's so generic and and can be quite confusing. And so knowing the details, it it permits you to pray for the individual as they renew their mind. It permits them to pray for themselves so that they can renew their minds. And then you begin to bring specific scriptures to bear on their unique manifestations of pride. And so now you're not just saying pray for the proud person or asking the proud person to read the Bible, but now the proud person can pray specifically and read the Bible specifically. They can go directly to a text that speaks to the unique manifestation of pride that they have, rather than just opening the Bible and hoping that they find something that will help them in this moment. I am sick is one thing, but but saying I have the flu, well, that tells me a whole lot more. If someone came to me and said, I am sick, it's like, okay, I have no clue what you are talking about. We can better serve each other by thinking deeply about each other while bringing the gospel to each other in customized ways. And so the next time that somebody says that they are proud or, or tells you that you are proud, thank them. Thank you for uh, seeing this in me. Thank you for caring for my soul, but do not let them off the hook. I mean, don't tell me that I'm sick. Uh, give me some analysis. Diagnose me so that you can give me the right medication. Make them to tell you exactly how they see your pride working out in your life. Now, if they can't do this, if you have a counselor who can only say that you are proud or that you're selfish or that you are a sinner man... If they can't go beyond that, you need to leave because they're not going to help you. I mean, go back to the doctor analogy. If you're, you're sick. You're sick. 
if that's all they can tell you, you're sick. Well, doc, I need specifics. I need to know exactly why, because I don't want to be sick any longer. A true friend will work with you on the specifics of your issues. Maybe a true and competent friend would be a better way of saying that. And and between the two of you, you should be able to get down to your sin's nitty-gritty and to repent fully. And so let's say, let's go back to the illustration of abuse because it's so common, and let's say that someone uh, is an abuser. Don't settle for the pride answer. Do not settle for the pride answer. Let's dig deeper to get to the heart of the problem to bring gospel solutions. And so I'm going to illustrate for you uh, how to help an abuser. Let's say someone is, is abusing. So here's a worship structure. Now, again, if you want, you can jump in this article on our website. Again, the title of it is, Why It Is So Hard to Repent of Sinful Pride. And what I would like for you to do is you can read everything I just shared with you. You can scroll down to the bottom of it, and you'll see worship structure. And then I have seven sequence steps uh, that help get down into the heart. So it starts on the most upper level, what is going on, uh, what's happening, abuse. And then it works down to the heart of abuse, and the answer is not pride. It is not pride. That is a bad answer. Directionally, it's a good answer, but not specifically. So let's look at this worship structure. So one to seven. Number one uh, is anger. Okay, and so I'm, I'm someone abused you, which is a form of anger. And so I, I don't care for the word abuse in most cases because. Abuse is kind of like pride, and it's been so elasticized, unfortunately, in our culture that I don't, I don't know what you're saying when you say abuse. And so I'm going to, I'll say anger, that moves it within a, a Bible nomenclature, and so we kind of got to have an idea of how to think about it, even though there's manifestations of anger. And so anger is the, abuse is the form of anger that we're talking here. That's number one. All right, so number two, now we're moving down. We're moving toward the heart. Well, the next thing to get into specifics is that uh, what you're going to run into is self-reliance. The person is self-reliant. He he was acting out of a proud, sinful, self-reliant heart. Those three words are the same thing. A proud, sinful, self-reliant heart. Interchangeable words. Self-reliance means he was choosing to do it his way rather than God's way. And so I want to I want to make something happen. That's self-reliance. I won't do it under my own strength and my own power. So I'm going to get angry, which is abuse, and that's going to get me what I want. And so that's what a self-reliant, a proud, sinful, self-reliant heart is. And so first is anger, and then there's self-reliant. Then if you get underneath self-reliance, what you'll have is is control. What's What's really going on here is the person wants to control the situation or control the other person. And so control now is driving self-reliance. And out of that self-reliance, anger becomes the means uh, in order to hurt this person. And so now we're, we're drilling down. And so there is abuse, which is anger, which is self-reliance, 
out of a heart of control. Now, underneath control, what you're going to find is, is the idol of comfort. And so the heart's motivation for control is a craving for comfort. This individual wanting, wanted something that made them feel better. And so I was talking earlier about these heart motivations where there's multiple idolatries that are colliding in the person's soul. Well, I've identified two of them here. There is a craving for comfort and a craving for control. I want to find comfort in this moment, and so I've got to control the situation, and so I'm going to act out self-reliantly by getting choosing anger to abuse this person. And so we have abuse, anger, self-reliance, control, and comfort. And so there's five levels right there. And then if you get underneath the comfort, what you're going to find is fear. The person is afraid, which is why they would they would reach for comfort. They're they're insecure. Uh, anger is a is a manipulative tactic of an insecure person uh, who is using anger to regain control of their world. And so this person has this insecurity or fear operational in their soul. They want to find comfort so they can control their world. They know how to do it, so they act self-reliantly so that they act out in anger. They abuse a person. It is essential that as you tease out each one of these words, because, again, when you're talking about putting, off, you need to work on each one of these words specifically because there's something going on in the person's psyche, in the person's soul, that's causing them to abuse, to anger, self-reliance, control, comfort, and fear. So now we're six layers down as we're heading toward the heart. When you get underneath uh, the fear, what you're going to find is that this this shame and guilt. Shame and guilt is a shame is an internal awkwardness of the soul. A person not quite comfortable in their own skin. Fear is born out of shaping influences of shame and guilt that come from our Adamic fallenness and other evil things that have happened to us. And so as we layer it, we have shame and guilt. Fear is on top of that. Comfort on top of that. Control on top of that. Self-reliance, anger, and abuse. And then finally, at the bottom of it all, what you're going to find is an unbelieving heart. I'm not saying that they're unregenerated. I'm just saying they're, they're a functional atheist at this moment as they're acting out in sinful anger by abusing someone. These things, all that I've listed, anger, self-reliance, control, comfort, fear, shame, guilt, flow out of an unbelieving heart, a person who chooses to rely on himself rather than God. Now, the sequence is starting at the heart level, working out to the abuse, unbelief, shame, guilt, fear, comfort, control, anger, abuse. That's how it would stack up in this worship structure that I have been describing to you. Again, you have to tease out each one of those idolatries because all of them mean something, and you need to bring that customized care to that individual so that they can begin a process of repentance. That's why. Now, what a lot of people do is they, they just encapsulate all that and just say that you're proud. Can you recognize how unhelpful that is? There is no way that a person could put off this because he doesn't understand what this is because he's been given a generic label. You're selfish, you're proud, you're a sinful, you're a sinful person. 
it, it, it could really you know, be frustrating, and a person will not get it. They honestly will not get it. And so at this point, you want to identify why the person chooses to rely on himself. Now you're getting into the person's theology, which is ultimately where you have to go. Why does he reject God's rule over his life, choosing a prideful way to accomplish an evil desire? Simply put, what is wrong with his relationship with God? Why will he not trust God, but chooses to trust himself or to rely on himself, which is pride? Why does he do that? Well, there are three answers that he would choose uh, to trust himself rather than trust God. He's rejecting God, and there's one of three answers. And what you're going to find is all three of these are inter uh, all, all three of these are interacting at different ways in the person's life. I won't trust God because I'm angry at God. I won't trust God because I'm afraid of God. I won't trust God because I'm ignorant of God. Those are three faith killers, and you'll find that all three of these are interplaying to some degree in the person's life. And because of this deeply rooted theological problem. A combination of all three of these things, this person is acting out of an unbelieving heart, born out of a sense of shame and guilt that has fear stacked on top of it to where he reaches for comfort. He finds a method of control, which is a self-reliant anger response toward people. Now, I have a one-hour webinar here in the Call to Action that really breaks down in detail what I've just been describing and also the put-on that Paul gives us in Ephesians 4.24. I would love for you to check all this out, and please understand, it's very hard to repent of sinful pride if that's all you're going to say. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.